years ago before this even happened at X, maybe we were just having a conversation and he were like, he was like, has anybody ever told, told you that you might be on the spectrum? And I was like, no. And he was like, oh, it sounds like you are. But then he was like, what are you having for dinner? And I'm just like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like he never did anything about it. He was white. So like, you know, I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm not surprised. He was just like, okay, it's a black girl. She's one of my patients. She comes in for therapy. I think she might be autistic, but I'm not going to do anything about it. So, you know, it, it was like. Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone, sometimes I'm dining with friends, and sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. Meet Ayana, aka Phenomenally Autistic Ayana, is an autism advocate born and raised in Westchester County, New York. Along with having autism, she has survived over 220 seizures, lives with chronic illnesses, has two autoimmune diseases, but she doesn't let that stop her from spreading her messages of self-love, joy, equality, diversity, inclusion, and autism awareness and acceptance through the arts. Welcome back to Diversity Dish. My guest today is Ayana Davis. Hi, Oyana. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. It is such a pleasure to have you here with me today because I really, I really want my audience to get a feel for you and <laughs> to get some understanding of some things that we all probably have no idea about. Thank that, you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And before we get into all of all of that, we're just going to get to know you just a little bit better okay. by asking you, <laughs> what are you most passionate about right now? Right now, um, I'm most passionate about using my voice to bring awareness to autism, mainly, you know, people of color who, who are autistic because, you know, they don't get the recognition, they don't get the the help and the, the resources that, um, you know, that white people get. And, you know, some people are always like, well, we don't want awareness, we want acceptance. But, you know, like you truly have to let people know that you're there in order for them to accept you. So you need the awareness to get the acceptance. So right now I'm most passionate about, you know, just being my truth and letting everybody know that Getting an autism diagnosis is not a death sentence. It's not the end of the world. And you can absolutely thrive in life being autistic. I love it. So you just told us, which what I was going to tell everybody was that, that you are an autistic Black woman. Yeah. And, <laughs> yay. <laughs> and I think that you are so right that there needs to be some awareness before there can be acceptance. And you have to, you know, people have to kind of be aware and, yeah. and learn more. Right. So that is where we're going to, what we're going to be talking about today. And especially we want to also talk about your activism, your, your being an advocate for autistic, autistic people. And, you know, some of the misconceptions that people have when it comes to autism. So one of the things that you just said was that a diagnosis of autism is not a death sentence and is not the end of the world. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> How long ago were you diagnosed, if that's okay for me to ask you that? Yes, that's fine. Um, I had a late diagnosis. I was an, an adult, which is rare to be diagnosed as an adult. You're usually diagnosed as a very young child. Um, Black children are diagnosed on average three years later than white children. But, mm. you know, I was an adult. Um, I was diagnosed, I believe, about five years ago. My dad's not here right now for me to confirm with him. And that's who <laughs> usually helps me. But, um, yeah, it was about five years ago. Full-blown adult. Nobody knew what was wrong with me, even though I don't think anything's wrong with me. I'm just different. Mm -hmm. 
So what was it that prompted the search into what might be happening with you? If you're ready to step into your power and affect real social change, then I'm ready to help you do that. Join me in the Discover Your Social Power pop-up podcast, which is a private podcast, by the way, to find out how you can make an incredible difference in this world just by being you. Go to sedrolamaruska.com backslash work dash with dash Sadie for more information. Well, I never like set out to look for it. I was actually in the hospital being treated for one of my, all of my, I just got a, I got a whole bunch of health issues. So I was being you have treated. other health issues as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was there for a while and like, I wouldn't um, like verbally speak to my doctors. I wouldn't tell them when I was in pain. I wouldn't like really communicate with them when they were asking me questions. I would just like what I now call sh- that is an autism shutdown. I, w- I, w- I was shutting down a lot while I was in the hospital and I was mm. there for a very long time. So like after a while, they were like, you know, we feel like something is going on here with her. So they brought in a team to give me a full evaluation. Um, it was a psych team um, mm. that did my evaluation. Um, it took a couple of hours. I was getting like, I was like restless and they, they were really nice though. Um, they let me take breaks. Um, they spoke to my dad and asked him like what was I like as a child what was I like growing up so like that's how I got diagnosed like mm-hmm. even though I don't think anything's an accident it, it kind of happened by accident um, I was being treated for other things and they were like you see something going on here so let's try to get to the bottom of it wow I think that that's incredible I think that it's great that they did that because it shows that they were paying attention and yeah. all too often we hear stories about how Black patients are not taken care of or treated. Not at all. As many doctors I had seen before, like I was admitted into the hospital, I had a therapist like years ago before this even happened asked me, we were just having a conversation and he he was like, has anybody ever told, told you that you might be on the spectrum? And I was like, no. And he was like, oh, it sounds like you are. But then he was like, what are you having for dinner? And I'm just like, okay, well, what does that mean? Like he never did anything about it. He was white. So like, you know, I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm not surprised. He was just like, okay, this little black girl, she's one of my patients. She comes into therapy. I think she might be autistic, but I'm not going to do anything about it. So, you know, it, it was like, it could have been treated years ago, but it was, it was overlooked. Wow. Yes. So, because that was going to be one of my questions, like how could it be overlooked for so many years until you were an adult that they would find out and you just kind of answered that they just kind of glossed over it it was kind of yeah like, that's what he did and like I didn't like him anyway so like <laughs> but I saw him for like a little while after that and then I was like I don't want to see him anymore so I just went to a different therapist but like the subject never came up again as well I was put into the hospital and then like you know people were like well how how nobody knew anything and when you were the child I'm like well you know when I was a child it was just um well she's shy or she just don't listen or like because me I was like had a lot of energy I um I would just like to sit in the corner all day and draw and I wanted everybody to leave me alone uh sometimes I wouldn't speak because it was too um sometimes it was physically impossible so I wouldn't even speak when spoken to and everybody was always like what is wrong with her what is wrong with her and you know my parents they knew that I was an artist so they're like you know she's an artist just leave her alone let her be herself so like they were never like, oh, well, she's just bad. She's just crazy. My parents never said that, but other people said that. They're just like, oh, she's bad. And oh, she don't listen. And no, but like, um, I think that's how it was overlooked as me being a child because like I was so eccentric and I was an artist. So you know how people say there's like a fine line between being crazy and being a genius. Being a genius. So like, yeah. So yes. like I think that that's also like how it got overlooked. Um they always kept me doing something creative. I've always drawn that that is my biggest form of communication even mm-hmm. today as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um I was always in some type of dance program. I was always in some type of theater program. So like 
they just kept me busy. And that's how I was challenging my energy. And that's how I was getting through life. So I think that's another way it was overlooked is because I was always busy. I was always doing something. And, you know, like I said, you know, us artists were eccentric. So that, that's just probably what everybody <laughs> thought it was. Right. And I'm Black. So Black people don't get autism. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, come on now. Yes, that's true. You know, I, I was talking to someone earlier and we're talking about therapy because you said that you were in therapy. Yes. And that is not something that has been traditionally okay within the black community. Like it's like if you're getting therapy, there's really something wrong with you. Whereas now we really understand that therapy doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It simply means that you need to take care of your brain and your emotional self as well as your physical. Yes. And like, honestly, like therapy, it, I believe like it was before, like you said, therapy was something that you went to because there was a lot wrong, but I feel like now you should go to therapy. So there won't be a lot wrong. So I believe I started therapy. I was, I self-harm as a teenager I didn't know it was always, you know, because I didn't know why I was the way I was. So mm -hmm. I did have a period of self-harm and that's why my therapy started. Mm -hmm. But that that's why I started therapy. But it, and even then, like I would, you know, be with my friends or my cousins and I'd be like, oh, I have to go, you know, I have to I have a doctor's appointment. And they're like, well, what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing, it's therapy. And they're like, therapy, what are you going to therapy for? Black people don't go to therapy, just go to church. And I'm like, oh, whatever. Just like, that is the traditional, black people don't go to therapy, they go to church, just go, go talk to your, go, go talk to your pastor. And I was and like, that's, and it, it's funny because at the time, like I was going to church with my tutor. So I was just like, I do go to church. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's not that. So did your therapist ever mention the autism? Like ever? No, just that it? one time before that. No, wow. like the first, the first therapist I ever saw was um, when I was a teenager and um, you know, people saw my um, like going into my shell and mm -hmm as as me being like very angry and then um so when when I went to therapy um she was just like asking me what people would say about me and you know what I would just tell her and she's like oh you know it just sounds like uh you, you you've held a lot in so it's caused you to become depressed and so you know she would she would she was asking like textbook questions <laughs> it didn't even seem like you know how like you go like now it seems like my therapist you know we pick up where we left off like then yeah. when I was going to therapy it was just like she was just asking you know questions checking them off and I'm just like okay um okay I'm not the doctor <laughs> but I don't think this is the way it's supposed to go but I saw her for about two months and then I didn't go back to therapy for years mm. I was like I don't got time for this <laughs> I got things right. to do I got shows to do and I kind of just put it in the back of my mind. There was still a lot that needed to be treated. But to mm -hmm. me, I was just like, no, we got shows and I'm going to go write a play and I'm going to do this. And I was just like, I don't got time for this, but I'm glad right. that I'm back in therapy now. I go faithfully. But last week, though, I have to admit, my therapist was really, really late. And I told him I wasn't waiting and I left. <laughs> <laughs> because it's always late. And like people, like autistic people, we like we work like everything like on schedule yes, like and a schedule yeah root schedule routine so like every day like I have a to-do list and like you know he was messing up my to-do list so I'm, like, <laughs> I'm not waiting for him then I left so I didn't have therapy last week but um I'm gonna have it this week or yeah. was that, it might've just been a few days ago. I don't know, but I am going to, I'm going to do my next session, but I am going to like try to tell him, you know, please be on time. Right. He, he gets paid if I'm there or not. I think he, I'm actually getting charged extra because I left. Oh no. <laughs> no, but the, now he knows that you're autistic, right? Uh, my doctors know. Yeah. Yeah. So he should know how you work. He should under, yeah. try to understand at least a little bit how what works best for you you know what I mean I think I got so frustrated because like he's like because we're doing it you know virtually right now because mm -hmm. um 
of COVID and then I'm immunocompromised. So, yes. you know, I just can't take the chance of being in people's faces and coughing. And then mm-hmm. I'm a germaphobe. So I was just like, all right, you know, we'll just do it. So they send you the link to log on to your session and they're like, please be on time. But then they're not on time. So I'm like, uh, <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes. So one of the things that you that you mentioned right before we got on the air, and that is that people think that because you're autistic, which means that you learn differently, you're stupid. Yeah. Um, how do you think that has affected the way that you've seen yourself historically? Well, I've learned that when you don't know about yourself and you don't understand yourself, um, it causes a lot of self-hate. So mm-hmm. I didn't like myself because I didn't understand myself. Um, I love everybody else around me, give love right. to everybody else around me, the most lovable person, but I wasn't giving any love to myself. Like right. I didn't love myself because I'm like, well, why am I like this? Why am I so different? How come nobody can give me any answers? So, um, right. It made me feel like I was stupid. It did like, yeah. you know, what we talked about, like mm-hmm. having like developmental delays, people think you're stupid. It, it doesn't mean you're stupid. It means exactly what it says that you're developmentally delayed. So yes. like, if I have to explain that to you, like maybe I should be calling you stupid, but it's just like, I don't call people <laughs> stupid though. Cause that's not nice. But, but, I um, understand. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes people like can be very ignorant and yeah, they like, they hear autism and they're, they don't, feel like you can have like a like a a normal conversation um some days I can't have conversations it's not possible for me Mm -hmm. but you know every day I do my best Mm -hmm. but you know they assume like you don't like you can't like do everyday tasks like but everybody's case of autism is different some people some people are able in one department, but not in the other. Um, I don't like to use the terms high functioning, low functioning. Sure. Because um, like, imagine somebody just saying to someone, you're low functioning. Like, so I don't, I feel like um, functioning labels are harmful in another way, because also mm-hmm. calling somebody high functioning, that gives the doctors an opportunity to overlook a treatment or a service that they might need because they think that they're high functioning. Mm -hmm. So functioning labels are definitely, I'm not a fan of those. Or even when people say mild autism, you don't know what a person had to go through to complete a task. So you might be seeing it as mild, but it could have took everything in them for them just to complete a a task that should have been simple. So all the mild autism and the high functioning and low functioning. I'm not a fan of that, but um, right. I definitely think it's harmful because it, it allows the, the medical industry to um, overlook you for things and not guide you in the right path of the services you might need, which, you know, being a black woman, they do that anyway. Right. So we know that being a black woman is one layer well several years yeah black you got woman and now you have autistic and you have uh, chronic illness and so you've got quite a few layers there that (laughs) yeah (laughs) cause people to possibly miss miss you the miss that is there right in front of them because they're yeah I always say that I'm like you know you don't know what might be hidden behind a disability so you should always get to know a person Yes, because, right, because you are more than your disability. You are more than your diagnosis. Yes. You are more yes. than, you are more than what the doctors know or say or what have you about, you know, what's going on with you. And so I think that, um, what is the, if you don't mind my asking, what is like the strangest thing that someone has come back with you on when they found out that you were autistic like what is because I'm sure you've heard a lot of strange things um uh yeah they say I didn't know black girls could be autistic oh really (laughs) yeah you don't look autistic yeah yeah and like even like I, I I completely understand like why they say those things uh, it, yeah. it bothers me but I understand why because when you think of autism a black woman's face does not pop up in your head when you think of autism you think of little white boys 
And you also, when you think of mm-hmm. autism, you only think of children. Like autism doesn't end when you turn 18. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not even when you turn 21, it does not end. You have it for your entire life. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, those are a few misconceptions. But yeah, people are like, I didn't know black people can have autism or you don't look autistic. And I'm just like, uh, please explain to me how I'm supposed to look. Yes, that is a, that, <laughs> that was a question that came into my mind. It's like, so how... How are autistic people <laughs> supposed to look? look? Yeah, like that's I think what I missed like, that one. I was just like, uh, like, yeah, I can imagine that it, you know it's it's you get a whole lot more of those what are those microaggressions, those things that people say because they just don't understand versus yeah. <laughs> you know because they just and 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 it really a lot of times it's because it's because they're trying to be nice. And mm-hmm. I find that nice is very generic and nice is also the thing. It's, it's a big bucket that we put words into or actions into so that we can look proper in some way, not realizing that a lot of the things that we put into the nice bucket are actually not nice. They're yeah, just, exactly. right. You say them with a smile doesn't mean that, that you're being nice. It's, yeah, I don't, I don't know why people, because like me, like one thing about autistic people, um, we're very honest. If we don't understand something, we will try to understand. Like sometimes people are like, oh, why are you asking so many questions? Just trying to understand. Then like, if I'm right. trying to understand, that means that I care because, you know, they also say that autistic people have no empathy. I'm one of the most empathetic people that I know mm-hmm. to the point where sometimes like, if something's wrong, one of my friends, even if they don't tell me, I will know because I can feel it. Mm-hmm. So there are so many misconceptions. And I just feel like, you know, if you don't know something, it's as, as long as you're not doing it in like a disrespectful way and it's not an inappropriate question, just ask. Ask. Yeah. Just ask. Yes. Just It goes back to what you were saying before, right? Everyone's autism is different. Yes. Every person experiences autism in a different way. And so it affects them in a different way. And it, it has them relate to people in a different way. And that's what it is. And so I think that people expect it all to look or feel or be or sound or whatever it is the same. Autism yeah. is a monolith which is a problem, right? Because that's how they see black people. That's how they see gay people. That's how they see anybody who's, they can visually see as disabled. That's how they, you know, it's kind of a monolith. Well, all people who are like this do this, 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 and this. And when you don't fall into those parameters then they're like, well, what does that mean? Instead of thinking, well, each person is an individual and different and requires a different, because you don't treat all your friends the same. You don't even talk to all your friends the same way, right? Yeah, all yes, and it's very challenging to, um, <laughs> it's very challenging to like nurture your friendships when you have communication issues. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I do my best and all of my friends understand. Um, like most of my friends, um, I they were my friends before they found out that, um, I was autistic. Mm-hmm. Um, they just saw that I was really shy, <laughs> right? And, right. And you know that I just was just like this, this mad creative running around. <laughs> so like, you know. But when they found out, you know, they they wanted to learn more so they could, you know, make sure that they weren't harming me in any way and being offensive in any way. So, you right. know, like I appreciate I appreciate them. I don't have a lot of friends, but the ones that I have, I do appreciate them because like I just had like a situation where um, you know, like a person was I thought they were my friend, but they were really just like um trying to make themselves look good for having an autistic friend and being nice to somebody who was autistic. So, you know, that was really heartbreaking, but you know, you live and learn. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't trust a lot of people, but the people mm-hmm. that I do trust, I like hold them so dear and so close in my heart because yeah, some people are just trash. So you have to really appreciate yeah. the ones who are not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> wow. Yes. So it's, the question I have, a I have a question that just kind of popped into my head um, because you said that you, you were 
full full grown adult when you learned of your autism just about five years ago, correct? About five years ago. That means that you too, you had to learn a lot about what autism means and what your what it means specifically for you. Right. Yes. And I actually I've only learned like the majority of the things I know within the past two years, because when they first told me I was autistic, I was like, whatever, leave me alone. And I didn't think nothing of it. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it. I was like, I kept it to myself. I didn't tell anybody for, I told maybe two people like right away. And, uh, and actually a few people were like, well, we suspected it, but we don't want to offend you and tell you. But I like, I was embarrassed. Like I didn't tell like Mm. a lot of people for a really long time for like, so like sometimes even now speaking about it, like I'm I'm very vulnerable and it's, Mm. it's hard sometimes, but yeah, like I, I didn't really tell anybody and it's not like I had to face it because, you know, like the hospital didn't like give us any direction to go in with it. Like, um, even though, you know, I didn't go into the hospital for that, but they Mm -hmm. didn't really give us any direction to go in for it. It was just like, okay, well, you know, here you go. You're autistic. All right. We're going to treat you for this. Here goes some seizure meds. Hopefully this changes and okay, bye. You're discharged. Yeah. Like, and I was really months. Yeah, like we, like me and my dad, because um, my mom passed away, and um, me and my dad, we did our own research, like mm-hmm. once I like, um, I guess I could say gave in, because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just would not face it at first, but like we yeah. did our own research, and um, a therapist I was seeing around that time, she recommended I try DBT therapy and CBT therapy, which I did. Um, DBT therapy is um, dialectical behavioral therapy and mm-hmm. CBT therapy is cognizant behavioral therapy. And I just, I can't believe I just said that without stuttering because I have, I stutter. I'm, I'm doing good today, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have not heard you stutter. <laughs> but that's okay. I'm doing good today. And, but that's a result of um, having a, a series of bad seizures last year. So mm-hmm. I'm just getting back to myself. But um mm-hmm. Of those two therapies, I would say that the cognitive behavioral therapy worked better for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell everybody you have to go with what works best for you because mm-hmm. you're not me. We're not the same. We have different needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why um, the cognitive behavioral therapy worked best for me is because it teaches you to be mindful. Mm-hmm. And if you could just be mindful and um, be present in the moment, mm-hmm. it makes things a lot easier for you. Like be present in the moment, take mm-hmm. things moment by moment, minute mm-hmm. by minute, day by day, it make it makes things like a lot easier. So that's why the cognitive behavioral therapy works best for me because it taught me to be mindful. Mm-hmm. That, that also um, speaks to the, the schedule, you know, yeah. staying on schedule that that's kind of helps with the mindfulness and the, yeah, the it does. Like and, every morning, every morning when I wake up, um, I meditate and I write in my gratitude journal because I need the universe to know that I'm grateful. So mm. even if I don't have a lot to say, even if I'm only writing a few sentences, some days I, I'm, I'm grateful for a lot of things every day, but sometimes I don't have the mental energy to mm-hmm. put it down on paper, mm-hmm. but you know, I'll still write something, even mm-hmm. if it's just like, I'm thankful that I woke up. So mm-hmm. as long as I'm putting something out there and you know, letting the universe know that I'm grateful, even for the smallest things, um, mm-hmm. that, that helps me get through my day, like every day, meditation, gratitude journal, then you can continue on with your day. Cause if you don't do those two things, you know, you're not going to do the rest of it. It throws everything you, off. Yeah, every, <laughs> like everything is thrown off. Like if I have a day where it's like a very busy day and, um, you know, I have my to-do list, and let something on that to-do list not get done. And I'm like, I'm so hard on myself. Like I'm working on it because, you know, you have to give yourself the grace that you give others. Yes. So um, yes. I'm working on, you know, being nicer to myself when I don't get everything done that I plan to get done in a day. Yeah. I love it. I, I love it. You, you have, you have a lot of things to share here and you know, I do the same. I mean, and, and you're right. Like mindfulness, being in the moment, I meditate in the morning and I, I do also try to write at least something 
in the morning. Some days I can do a lot. And some days, like you said, it's just like, I'm so happy I woke up this morning. It's going to be a beautiful day and just keep it moving. But it just gives you that grounding. It gives you that, that space where you're like, okay, it's today. Yes. All right. Now we take yes. hold of the day and we just kind of go with it. So I love it. I love it. So you are, so we're going to get into all the things that you do because, because you're really kind of impressive and I'm just kind of like feeling a little, you know, a little not as so. <laughs> Every, everybody matters. Everybody's everybody matters. Everybody's yes. And yes. your gifts are amazing. So you did mention that you were an artist. So you've been drawing, you would draw, you would sit in the corner and do your drawing and All let day. the world out. <laughs> Leave me alone. I am busy over here <laughs> being a genius. And so you have actually gotten your illustrations into 16, well, 17 books, right? 17, 17 being the one that's going to be released, right? And that's going to yes, be yours. Yes, it's full. Yes, very exciting. And so these books that you have illustrated, how did you connect with the people to illustrate these books? My, one of my dad's aunt, so she's my great aunt. I love her. She's so funny. She's um, 90. And um, wow. You know, once they get that age, they don't really care and they say what they want. So she's hilarious and I love her. But um, she was actually, um, she put me in art shows when I was about seven years old. So at seven years old, I was doing art shows. Um, We were selling my artwork all around Westchester, New York City. Um, So that kind of um, fueled my passion. So I'm going to say maybe around 10 years ago I did my own book like for myself so Mm -hmm. this is actually my my second book that's gonna that's gonna come out so like after people saw my book it's not in print anymore um but after people saw my book you know it was was great we had a book signing and that was kind of torture for me because you know like the social setting but I pushed through and I got to it but we (laughs) we had the book signing everything went great um I was actually um, signed to a small publishing company at that time, and um, I had a literary agent. He was one of the biggest um, literary agents in New York. Um, he doesn't do it anymore, but it, it just kind of, the illustration industry is not very big. So like, mm. just by word of mouth, people would reach, were reaching out to me and, um, you know, with different projects and some projects I started and didn't complete or I completed, but. I never gave it to them because they didn't pay me. So, you know, like it, it would have been way yeah. more than 17, but everything doesn't always work out and you have to be okay with that. And you you right. have to know that it didn't work out for a reason and just know that that's God protecting you. So, okay. um, yeah, it's just like people started to reach out to me and the projects that I was interested in, you know, I went for it. I love it. And then, so how did you get to do your own book? And what, what type of book is it? It's children's book as well? Because uh, I think that yes. most of your books are, are children's books. Okay. Yes, they're all children's books. Um, but I have published four ch- coloring books. Um, <gasps> but yes, this is a children's book that um, I am authoring and illustrating. And it's about Black girls and autism. Oh it's tied into your passion yeah (laughs) that's fantastic yeah because I think you know what I'm loving right now is maybe it's always been there but I think it's more prominent now are all the books that are diverse and talking about diverse issues and showing diversity within their pages so yeah so there's nothing wrong with the books you know the hungry caterpillar or whatever it's called sure. and wrong, the herald and the purple crown like there's nothing wrong with that but you know there are people and children out there that need to see people who are like them yes yes and when and when they can see themselves in the pages of books it i think that it will help people later on not say things like well i didn't know black girls got autism yeah right? you don't look autistic <laughs> 
Like I still get the you don't look autistic, and I just want an answer. Like what does autism. somebody with autism look like? <laughs> exactly. and, and now, like, because like you know, when, once I started sharing my journey, I post a lot. Um, I share a lot. Um, very transparent, even when I don't want to be, or when even when it's hard. And people still say that. I'm just like, okay, I give up. It, I can look like whatever you want me to look like. <laughs> right. So that's why I think that your book is going to be kind of in- incredible because I think it's going to give people more of a glimpse, you know, like we were talking about. I mean, people need to just be able to see beyond. And so it'll give people more of a glimpse and they can say, oh, well, yes, of course, Black girls and Black boys and people can be autistic. Of course, that can be a thing. And so it doesn't become that question and it doesn't become that, that, oh, you don't look like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And then hopefully some of the stigma is let go of because like, you know, a lot of the stigmas are um, very dehumanizing and hurtful. So, and imagine like being a child and like with me, I was very um, passive and nonchalant. Um, you know, sometimes my feelings were hurt, but that right. was mostly in school with like bullying and feel like what's wrong with her and she's weird. And, and But my grandma actually worked at my school. So she came and she shut that down each time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because I even had like a, a teacher bully me once, which was really strange because I was like in third grade. Really? Yeah. And I was mm. scared to... Um, she choked me. Um, I was scared to tell my parents oh and my one of God. my friends, um, a good friend of mine, um, someone who like protected me in school because I feel like kids know things and they know when somebody needs a little extra help and they yes. know when somebody needs a little extra protecting. And she was one of those people. And we still speak to this day. Um, when my dad came to pick me up, he, he told her, he, he, um, she told him, um, you know, this, this teacher chose Yanni. Um, that's my nickname, Yanni. Yeah. So like, yeah, I've dealt with bullying from children and adults. Wow. That's just, that's just so mind blowing to me. I just, it just, you know, it just gets me right in the heart because I'm just like, how, how do people do that? Like, how do you see a child and as an adult, especially you see a child and you think, okay, I'm going to treat that child totally differently than every other child because they just they bother me or it was and it was a substitute teacher too which threw me off because you know this is something new and I thrive off routine yeah and um her teaching style was difficult for me to pick up on so I asked her a lot of questions and then um I don't know where we were going but we had to leave our classroom and I asked her another question and she was like I'm tired of you and she just choked and people like like people really like do not like they don't, they're just like we cannot believe that she chose you and I'm like yeah like she's lucky that that's not when my grandma worked at that school because she wouldn't she wouldn't have kept her life oh my word right <laughs> but so, she was gone gone from the district and I never saw her again well that's good she probably she shouldn't be around children if she can't handle kids asking questions I mean you know it, it's just a thing that comes with children <laughs> you know yeah and my my dad don't play that either so he <laughs> I, I, that's why I was I was scared to tell him because I was like he knew something was wrong with me though because he said that yeah and my older brother um he said that um when me and my older brother were children because my little sister she's a lot younger than us um, my older brother, he said that we were never complainers. So he said the only time he knew that something was wrong with us was if we got really quiet. He so, shut down. Yeah. Yeah. So he he suspected that you know something was off about me that day, and then you know my friend Courtney told, and I was just like, I'm scared. I'm so scared. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So another thing that you do is that you are a former choreographer so you are a dancer that's so awesome and what type of dance um we did um interpretive dance and hip-hop dance and um they actually learned um uh, asl in a lot of their dances because i did it at that time 
Um, oh. Like right now, I really don't know a lot of it right now. When I okay. lost my memory last year, that's one of the things that like really didn't come back. Like I only know like a few signs, but um, yeah, those were the the main the main things. But their favorite was hip hop, so that's what we did, and um, theatrical. Oh, I love it. Yeah, because you're because you did say you were very creative. You were an yes. artist, an eccentric artist. So yeah. <laughs> you did theater and dance and artistry. And so that's that's awesome. Yes, and, and I love the theater company that I worked with um, in Westchester County. Like the director, she was so nice and she just gave me like so much freedom to do what I wanted. Like, because mm-hmm. um, I had my own dance program, but then I also mm-hmm. worked with the theater department. Okay. And um I think for our second season, we did The Wiz, and we had a new staff member come on, and, um, you know, we were watching the movie at our first staff meeting, and I, was her name Eveline in The Wiz, the last dance scene when they, like, come out of bondage, and they're, oh, like, all set free? I yeah, have not he, seen it in so long. I actually well, want to watch movie, it again. That movie, I'm scared of that movie. When those things come out in the subway and they started chasing, yeah, I don't like that movie, but we had to watch it at the staff meeting and we had a new staff member and he was so negative. And I'm like, how are you coming to work with kids being negative? Because he was like to me, you ain't never going to get them kids to learn this. You ain't never, I was just like, okay, just, Mm. just sit back and just sit back and watch and we'll see. And like, they killed it. So I'm like, okay, now what do you have to say? And he was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Nice. I love it. I love it. Oh my goodness. So you are a dancer. So um, you were also honored at the UN. Tell yes. us a little bit about that. Yes, um, I was honored at the United Nations. Um, I don't remember what year it is. Again, my dad's not here to help me. But um, yes, I was honored at the United Nations. And um, one of my dance, dance groups actually performed at the ceremony. Um, and it was for my work in the um, artistic community and mm. um, my work with children because, you know, I had, um, even though I worked with the theater companies, I had my own dance company. So mm-hmm. um, it was for my work with the, in the artistic community and with the dance community in Westchester County. And is that why you have your own day? Because, and it's not your birthday. So I have to tell them you have uh, April 26th is, Ayana Day in Westchester, New York, which is so awesome. Yeah, and like when I got it, like when they gave me my proclamation, I didn't even know what it meant. And like, you know, me, I, I was starting to ask questions. My dad was like, we'll talk about it later because he knows once I start asking questions. <laughs> like, but you know, I was, but I knew that they were, um, I knew that they were appreciative of what I was doing. And I knew that it was, it was, it was an honor. So I was very grateful and, um, that you know what I was doing was was recognized even though when I started you know I wasn't doing it for recognition but to be appreciated is a good feeling yes so now you have an older brother and you said you have a younger sister or brother sister younger sister yeah okay and how do your siblings relate to you with having been diagnosed as autistic um I believe that since they they don't talk about it like (laughs) right because I've I've always been who I am to them so they this is the only Yanni that they've ever known Mm -hmm. so like you know growing up my brother was very protective I don't know if he thought that I was different um I feel like he did though but um he was very protective I remember um this this girl pushed me and my knees was all skinned up and I was Mm-mm. bleeding everywhere. And he, he, and, and I, this is not nice because he beat her up and she's a girl. <laughs> Boys, he's supposed to hate girls. But yeah, he's very protective. He's still very protective. Like, thank God he lives in another state because he would be at my door a lot. Like, right. oh, what happened? Who, who did it? Who did but, it? Yeah, Let he, me go he, find he, him. Yeah, he's very protective of me. Um, My younger sister, she, um, she's she's funny because she won't ask me she'll ask my dad like if I if I get sick and have to go like to the ER or to the hospital or have to be admitted or whatever for like Mm -hmm. you know all these health issues um she won't ask me anything she'll just like my dad she's like oh is Johnny okay so like for her it's um I feel like it's a little harder for her because she's she's younger but my brother um like 
they didn't treat me any different when I got my diagnosis. They just knew that, um, they knew I was in the hospital for three months and that's what Mm -hmm. they were concerned about. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think they just want to make sure that I'm okay. Yeah, of course. Of course. Well, that's great. Is there anything that I have not asked you that you would like to talk about right now? Um, no, I think you asked some awesome questions. <laughs> okay. Well, I just, I find you inc- incredibly fascinating as a human being. Um, Thank you. I think, yeah, because, you know, I, I keep wanting to write or write or else do something with one book and you've got like, you know, all of these other. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that's fantastic. Ayana, so phenomenally autistic. Let's talk just a little bit about that. What is that? Yeah, I see my shirt says it. <laughs> I know, I love it. <laughs> um, well, when you hear the word autistic, you don't usually think about the word phenomenal and I want to change that. Well, and that is that. I love it. Nope. It's great. Phenomenally autistic. Yes. I, I love it. So Ayana, the last question I would like to ask you is what is your favorite dish? Okay. So this is not, I just can't give you an answer. I have to explain some things. Is that okay? Please, Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm very picky. That, that's the word to use, even though it's not really the right words. Um, I have taste sensitivities and texture sensitivities. So um, like, you know, a bite of the wrong food could s- send me to a dark place. <laughs> but, yes, um, okay. Like seriously, it could cause a meltdown. Um, so like, I, I don't eat a lot. But if I had to like choose something that I would say is a safe food, um, a safe food is just, you know, something that an autistic person probably... Um, would go to like if we go to a restaurant or if um, I have guests coming over and somebody's gonna cook because I can't cook um, but <laughs> I would I would I would say pasta because um, the, the texture is safe and you can get different flavors of it even though you know me I'm I'm picky so um, right. I'm not doing nothing too crazy and no seafood because I'm allergic but um, okay. I would say pasta Okay. You know, I did not know that there was a food sensitivity or that there could be a food sensitivity yes. connected with autism. So yes, I learned food sensitivities, taste, smell sensitivities, mm-hmm. um, noise sensitivities yes. can cause um, sensory overload. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's hard to use um, more than one sense at a time. So if you notice today like if any time I you feel, you feel like I wasn't paying attention to you it, it was just me trying to listen to you and understand mm-hmm. you better yeah yeah oh no you know I just I just I just thought you were just showing me your beautiful hair <laughs> <laughs> this is a wig I am bald-headed I lost all my hair to like medication and like my did you really issues. um I, do you follow me on Instagram no I think I do if I, I, I don't I better like I am okay. like bald bald and like I really can't wait to take off this wig because it itches but yeah <laughs> it looks fantastic thank you, you know I had I was diagnosed with cancer in 2017 so I lost all my I'm hair in 2018 that. I'm good I lost all my hair in 2018 so I I had you know I had the whole bald thing going as well so I kind of yeah, like, like if you see the picture um yeah I'm like really bald headed like the wigs that I wear like, um, I tried to get the ones that were like, um, closest to my texture. Like yeah. I just told, I just told my friends and family and I just showed them like my bald head. And, you know, a lot of them were like, we didn't know because you've always had a lot of hair. And I'm like, well, yeah, I've been trying to tell y'all for the past eight months that my hair was falling out again. And, you know, I went through this a couple of years ago. It's, it's common when you're on a lot of medication, um, 40 pills a day. And, um, did you say 40? Yes. <laughs> wow. So we didn't, we actually didn't talk about, we actually didn't talk about your, you have a um, chronic disease and autoimmune disease and a a seizure disorder. So for for those things, you're taking 40 pills a day. That is a lot. Yes. And some of those pills are also psych meds, which are used to 
treat my autism symptoms since there is no cure for autism. But yes, yeah. me and my happy 40 pill a day taking self. Everybody was like, <laughs> we didn't, like, cause they didn't, I was like, oh, my hair is falling out again. And my friends was like, you've always had hair, ain't nothing wrong with your hair. So like, it was like the shock of their freaking life when, <laughs> when they saw my bald head and it was like, we didn't know that those were wigs. And I'm, they were like, that's what your hair looks like anyway. And I'm like, well, now you know. Now you know, now you know. There's something to be said about freeing yourself and just being who you are and just showing up however you show up, you know? Um, I completely, I can, I can relate to that for sure. I had- yeah, I'm still getting used to it. Like now, like if I go out, because um, I don't like to wear wigs because mm-hmm. it itches and like this is the first year I've ever worn a wig, so I'm not used to this. Right. So like um if I go out I put on a hat or like a head tie. Yeah. And um but like if I have a new baby nephew and if I go visit him, like he's so shady, even at four months old, he will <laughs> not talk to me if I do not have on a wig. He just stares at my <laughs> bald head. Like you're not gonna keep hurting my feelings, Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> oh kids are funny that way. Yeah, he just like stares at where my hair should be. They and I'm do. like, uh because you know, like even though it's been even though it's been coming out for a few months like like the majority of it came out like really fast like for months like oh. clump, clumps was coming out like mm. every time I touched it and mm. um, like that's traumatizing and I didn't know that but because this happened before but when it happened before it I don't know it wasn't like it was like it is this time but it's different yeah. like it it came out really fast like the majority mm. of it came out really fast so like Everybody got the shock at like they was like, oh my god. <laughs> I was like, it's okay, you know, I'll be fine. You know, I be I have my moments where I'm like, oh, I don't like how I look. And because yeah. like my hair, like like when I was a little girl and you know, I used to get bullied and stuff. Um, like my hair was sometimes a topic of discussion for people because it was long and you know, like sometimes I feel like people are ignorant when they're like, Oh my god, your hair is so long and so pretty. Mm. But um but I could hide behind that. So yes. Yes. now not having my hair I can't hide behind that so yes. I'm still like you know trying to come to terms with you know the fact that it's okay it'll grow back and even if it doesn't grow back it's okay yes 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 I can I can understand that absolutely well Ayana, thank you so much for being on diversity dish I have had such a good time talking to you <laughs> thank and you so I much have for having learned me so much Thank you for sharing so freely. Yeah. Um, I am going to make sure to link your, put your links in the show notes below so that the, so that our audience can find you and um, also links to any of your books. I know that the latest one is My Melanin, correct? Yes. Uh, The author is Renita Pagan and that's the current book that I'm promoting awesome so we will definitely link that one as well thank you so much for being here hey did you enjoy that episode if so please leave a review it would mean the world but only if it's a good one and you really did enjoy it in which case it would be awesome if you help support my work over at patreon the link is in the show notes see you soon